one I've got a confession to make. I have a really, really bad memory. And um, and so I kind of have to remember things in kind of a slightly different way. As, as Kevin brought that picture of the, uh, the mighty Zambezi River flowing over the Victoria Falls, uh, he pointed out, uh, sadly, that the, the chat only came to me, but in the back of Margaret's picture is that waterfall. Or was it the Niagara Falls, Margaret? I think, I think it's the Vic Falls, um, which is just amazing. And I, I, I kind of, as Kevin was sharing that, I was taken back to standing at the waterfall. And that waterfall, you don't, you don't hear it with your ears. Your whole body vibrates with the sound of the thunder of the waterfall. It's, it's almost so overpowering, you just don't know what to do. It, it's quite awesome. And how much of that is what God is doing in us and through us in Telford and beyond? So I had forgotten that. My memory is also so bad that I'll pick up a novel and a book. And by the time I've hit chapter three, I've already forgotten what was going on right at the beginning. Anyone else a bit like that? Yeah, great. It's not just me. Or, or even worse is... Um, maybe my attention span is so narrow that I don't often get through the whole of a film before I have to do something else. And then I've got all these series of films where I've watched bits and pieces of them. And then I'm like, have I watched this before? Haven't I? What on earth is going on? Um, so my brain kind of is really bad and I've got that terrible uh, memory. And it's a little bit like that with the Gospel of Luke. See, it's, it, it, the Gospel of Luke doesn't just start and then we kind of, we get to the end of it and then we quickly move on, don't we? But right at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, and I'll read this just before Kathy uh, reads to us. The beginning of Luke's Gospel says this, at Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first from the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. I've forgotten the beginning of Luke's gospel, as we look at the end, about the certainty of what has been taught, a full account fulfilled in what's been accomplished by this gospel, handed down to primary witnesses, to us. It's what Luke has been become convinced of. And so because of that, he's decided to write this account for his mate, for the most excellent Theophilus. I'm sure when I, when I talk about you guys to other people, I will make sure I put the most excellent in front of your name wherever I go. I often call people your grace or other, other, other saints person. Um, but it, it's that, isn't it? We forget at the beginning of what, what Luke was trying to do as we come to the end of Luke's gospel in Luke 24. 
that we might know the certainty that the resurrection, that the, the crucifixion of the resurrection is a certainty. And to encourage you to, to let me just encourage you even, even this week to just spend some time reading through Luke's gospel. And as we come to the end of, of Lent with Luke, remember there's the clarity of the gospel. It's for a person, for Theophilus or Theo, as I like to call to him. We just get to eavesdrop on the, on, on the, on the account that he's written. And it's so that we might believe. And so as we read this reading in Luke 24, remember who it's about and what it's for. Uh, so I'm going to ask Kathy. Kathy, do you want to unmute yourself and, and read this to us? Hi, OK. Um, we're reading from the starting at verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did not, still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you, send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Kathy. Now, a number of us have probably uh, read this this account before, uh, but but let's just look at that. While they were still talking about this, well, what was it? It was probably the the crucifixion. Mm. A lot of them hadn't realised that uh, that that Jesus had risen from the the dead yet. They were still absolutely freaking out because Jesus was dead. They may have heard the rumors of the empty tomb from the women and from Peter and John. Uh, in John's gospel, he, he ran and, and with Peter to, to find the empty tomb. And there's probably these rumors, but they hadn't quite grasped the importance of what had happened. They were also talking about probably the Emmaus Road. And all that had got on on that road, as Jesus appeared to, to two of his followers, one of them called Cleopas, we don't know who the other one was, and Jesus walked with them and opened the scriptures to them. He broke bread with them. And these two, two disciples, Cleopas and someone else, were probably with them at the Last Supper too. He broke bread 
and their eyes were opened and there was a declaration made, the Lord has risen. It's like they all of a sudden realize, hang on, that's Jesus. And so the Emmaus Road really is the backdrop to this next reading that we're reading. It's the thing, it's that encounter on the Emmaus Road that these guys are talking about. And all of a sudden they encounter the risen Jesus themselves. And so there are three things out of, out of this reading in Luke 24, 36 to the end. So the three things are the physical, the historical and theological, and the power of what goes on. So those three things. So firstly, let's look at the, the physical. Whilst Jesus, whilst they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now we read this with very, very English eyes. Oh, peace be with you. They would have absolutely been freaking out. Absolutely bricking it. Have you ever been minding your own business and someone else has jumped out at you? I really like to do this to other people. Uh, but that kind of instant fear that's there, how much more is it so that you've heard the stories, you may have even seen the crucifixion and all of a sudden he's there in front of you? How much more freaked out would you need to be? We've kind of, in, in a kind of anglicized way, we've, we've taken out some of that, that humor and shock. All of a sudden, they've encountered the risen Christ and they absolutely freak out. And Jesus goes, please be with you. Maybe it's just how I read the text, but, but that's quite something, isn't it? Imagine how those disciples must have felt. They either witnessed the crucifixion or heard about it from the other disciples who were there. And now he appears. Peace be with you would have the opposite effect of bringing peace in that moment. It would be absolute terror, but also some absolute joy. It tells us in verse 30 that they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. They just couldn't comprehend what was inside them. Their bodies could not compute. Their brains could not compute what was there. He's not a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. There's the physicality of the resurrection. Look with your eyes, with your own eyes. See my hands. See my feet. They're real. If your eyes deceive you, come and touch. Touch my flesh and my bones. In John's gospel, Jesus says to Thomas, put your hand into my side. Pretty gruesome. Come and touch and see. 
And then again, we miss some of the humor of this. Hey guys, I'm a bit peckish. Have you got something to eat? Ghosts do not eat a meal. And here Jesus is eating in front of them. Ghosts don't need food, but here Jesus is saying, I want to eat with you again. I guess broiled fish does not, does not want to be the first meal I want to have when I'm with, uh, we're in a new resurrected body. But here Jesus got some broiled fish and ate it with them. See, the physical resurrection is really, really important. And you will hear me always banging on about this. There are a few things that I go on and on and on and on about. And this is one of them. The physical resurrection is so important because if Jesus was not raised from the dead in a physical form, our faith is useless. Everything hangs on the resurrection. And here, Luke, writing to his mate Theophilus, he has become convinced of the resurrection. And he wants Theophilus to know the physical resurrection, that Jesus was there in front of them. Look, touch, and eat. The next, we have this uh, historical theological angle. He said this to them. This is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. The law, the prophets and the Psalms. These are the books of the Bible that they would have been really, really familiar with. A lot of them would have learned the Pentateuch as children off by heart. And then the prophets and then the Psalms, all of scripture being fulfilled about this person called Jesus. That their whole story as their identity as a Jewish nation has been fulfilled in this person called Jesus. Jesus is the veiled character in the whole of the Old Testament. We, don't, we see a few times where, where we go, that's Jesus, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. But throughout most of the Old Testament, you are aware of this character that is coming through the story of God's encounter with his people. And here Jesus is saying, that's me. I am the person who was there all the way through the Old Testament. I was the person who was there on Mount Moriah as, as Isaac was about to be sacrificed. I was there in Babylon in a furnace. I was the fourth person there. Imagine what they must have been going through. Well, what did they say? What does the, the history of the Old Testament, what does it all sum up to? Well, one, that there's the Messiah, the Christ. The savior of not only Israel, but the world. And that he must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Here is that conquering king that we, that we spent time with in the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The king, the Messiah. Hosanna in the highest. And here the Old Testament is saying all the law and the prophets and the Psalms. It was talking about this Messiah. It's come to fulfillment. 
And again, Dr. Luke wants Theophilus to know that this isn't just separate from the story of God, but it's intricately woven into all things from the beginning of time that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one that the whole of human history is pointing towards. Emily and I have uh, have been listening before bed to the Chronicles of Narnia. A, a lot of us may have listened to it as kids, but we've been listening to it. And uh, all the way through, there's this there's this thing of there's something going to happen. There's something going to happen. And only when you really get to the end of the final book, you go, "That's Jesus. That's Jesus." All the way through the Old Testament, you know that there's that character, and it's Jesus. And Dr. Luke wants Theophilus, his mate, to know that. That Jesus is the hidden character in all of the scriptures. And then, of course, there's the power. There's the power. And it's that next bit. And repentance for the forgiveness of sin, sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. Wow, the power. The power to begin to start the new chapter of God's story with the people of Israel. That this was never supposed to be a closed, a closed thing that, that only the, the Jews got to know about this person, Yahweh, God living amongst them. They were supposed to be a kingdom of priests who were supposed to lead the whole world to come to know Jesus. And here Jesus is saying, you guys the 12 and the other people there, the women who are there, are the witnesses of what's going on. Go and share it with the entire world. Well, what are you sharing? Well, the repentance for forgiveness of sins. Turning from the sin that pushes us away from God and saying Jesus died so that we can come close to God. There's no distance any longer. You can know him. The, 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 the curtain in the temple was torn in two. There's no barrier from you to come close to God. And it's not just for you Jewish guys. It's for all nations. Everyone. I wonder if they thought, wow, 2,000 2, years later, there would be a bunch of people in Telford who know and love Jesus. And they can trace it all the way back to that moment. But God says, you are going to be my witnesses. Start to Jerusalem and go to the ends of the world. To all nations, no one is excluded. So often we put up these barriers and say, oh, we, we, can't, we can't do that or we can't do that. But here Jesus is saying all the barriers are gone. Go to all of the nations beginning at Jerusalem and going worldwide. See, the world is all about power, isn't it? As we look in our culture at the moment, there's this accumulation of power that people want to have, power and control of what's going on. But see, Jesus laid down his power 
and said, come to me. My powerlessness will become your power. Deity became humanity. And then he shared it with us. But as we read this, there's more to come. There's a promise, isn't there? I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. There's more to come. This isn't the end of the story of the Gospels. It goes on. Don't forget what's happened at the beginning, like I often do as I read novels or watch films or, or even forgot all about the, the power of those uh, Victoria Falls. Because it's the same Jesus in the, old, in the Old Testament as the New. But there's that promise of God's power to come. It was prophesied in Joel chapter 2. And it's about to be fulfilled in the church as they become the witnesses. See, the power is twofold. It comes as we repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. And then we are filled with the spirit. See, we can't get the power of God unless we repent and come to know Jesus. It's, it's often, and I, I've seen it, and it's been the case of in my own life, at baptism, when I repented and turned to Jesus, I was filled with the Spirit overflowing, even to the point of uh, when I was baptized in the Indian Ocean just off the coast of Durban. As I was baptized under the water, washing and repenting of my sin, being lifted up and filled with the spirit to the point of speaking in tongues and being able to be impassioned to share the gospel with those around us. See, the repentance and the spirit's work come hand in hand. See, the power of God that he's poured out on us by the spirit is to call people to repentance but also to strengthen the church for what's going to happen in the coming days. See, this last bit of Luke is a bit of a cliffhanger because the story continues. The physical continues. The historical and theological continues. The power continues. But it's given over to the disciples, the people who believe the people who are filled with the spirit to go and the story of Acts begins. Because again, Theophilus, Luke's mate, he starts to start the new journey in Acts. Don't forget what's gone before. All of these things are really important, but here's the sequel. And we see these people who are going to be called Christians, namely first at Antioch, change the entire world see easter is the end but it's also the very beginning guys easter is the end in telford but it's also the beginning as each one of us filled with the spirit of god repent and turn to christ 
See, we can't be the church until we know that Christ is Lord. We can't be the church until we repent from the things that separate us from God and are filled with power from on high, clothed, wrapped around us so that we can't be distinguished between the spirit and us. Are you up for it? Because I really believe Telford will be changed. Telford will be changed. Every single uh, nation represented in Telford will be changed. Every single family will be changed as we preach the good news that Jesus died for us. And as we pray and see them filled with the spirit. But why don't we even now just, just maybe put your hands out. And why don't we just pray again? Because some of us are like leaky taps and we lose that vibrancy of the spirit. We get worn down. But even now, the spirit will just begin to fill you afresh. Why don't we just wait on him? Father, would you come and fill your church? Fill your church again. Fill each of us again with your spirit, as you did on that Pentecost day. Lord, we cannot do it without you. As we sang spirit break out at the beginning, Lord, we pray, spirit, would you break into us even now? Would you bring healing into our hearts, into our minds, into our bodies? Lord, where we're empty vessels, will you fill us again? Not with a fine mist from a mister, but like that waterfall, the, 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 the mist that thunders. Spirit of God, would you fall afresh on us? In every living room, in every conservatory, in every kitchen, in every garden. Spirit fall. Come, Holy Spirit. And even just now, don't, don't switch off. Even now, there's just the spirit coming and filling people. You can almost see it on the screens, the spirit just coming like a cloud, like that, that mist that just hits you. Even now, come Lord Jesus. Like those disciples on the Emmaus road that proclaim he is risen. Holy Spirit, let us see afresh Jesus. Lord, if there's anything that is in the way of us coming to know you fully. Lord, we say we're sorry. We repent, which means changing from one direction of travel to another, turning around, 
Lord, where we were going on the journey that doesn't lead to life, but captivity and sin and the stuff that easily entangles our walk. Lord, we turn to you again. We say, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the King. You are the Messiah. You died for us and have forgiven us all our sins. So may almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sin, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and lead you in life everlasting. Amen.